Welcome back to Three Decades of Tragedy, History of the Thirty Years' War. So last time I covered Ferdinand Third story, the new emperor of the HRE, and then covered the short campaign of Bernhard, which had initial success but flattered once he reached Strasbourg, being forced to winter at Mumblegard. But with that covered, let's get started. One thing that had been shown by Bernhard on the Rhine was that France needed to advance into the HRE with their own forces, rather than rely on German allies. Hessen Castle was supposed to be able to act as a buffer between the HRE and France. It was shown to be an unreliable idea, especially with Sweden unable to assist the region. Wilhelm V of Hessen Castle signed a deal with France, agreeing not to sign a peace treaty without France, and agreeing to respect Catholicism in the areas they take, which is the standard term for Richelieu. In return, they would get 200,000 talers a year to maintain 10,000 men and support them in their political objectives, France being the people that would support them. But for Hessen Castle, this was the best they could get, even if it put France above them. Which, I mean, it was in all effects, but it would more put Hessen Castle under France. Richelieu also planned to recruit 12,000 additional men from the Lower Rhine to send in to support Hessen Castle and create a line between the French War and the Swedish War. Just because they were supporting Sweden doesn't mean they wanted this to spill over into theirs. Count Rantzau was chosen to lead these men, who was supposedly wounded 60 times in a favor of the French queen. There's actually even rumor he fathered Louis XIV, though the court rumors are court rumors, and people are prone to make things up for political or other reasons. I will say, I think there's more volition to the wounded one, or the wound one, as he did lose a hand, an eye, a foot, and an ear to war, so there's something truthful behind that, at least to me. I don't know if it was 60 times, but he definitely got heavily wounded at some point. He arrived by March 1637, but found only 1,000 men there, which is about a twelfth of the soldiers that were promised, which raised concern over the reliability of French support, and as France has shown, the armies weren't the best, and they were still trying to play their hand without giving up too much. Ferdinand actually wanted to negotiate with Wilhelm, but the imperial ban was already put on him, and an invasion was justified under the lack of troops getting sent, launching in April of 1637. The invasion, however, lacked force and troops, as the Westphalian troops were being used elsewhere, and the lack of a, and the lack of a strong amount of forces allowed Hessen Castle to escape north, assisting in recapturing Vecta and Bielefeld by June. In the fall of Iren Breitstein, that name is keeps coming up, but I don't like saying it each time, caused the Imperials to get more aggressive, then burning down 17 towns and 300 villages to get the Landgrave in line in Hessen Castle. It seems the Imperials were stretched, however, and the reason they could do this was because the Hessians were away, and it appeared that intimidation wasn't working as Wilhelm continued to negotiate in other ways, or with other people. This is, again, a smaller war compared to, you know, the big armies that we're seeing other places, but they are an ally of the Protestants at this point. Not the Imperials, but the Hessen Castles. While the garrisons held out in Castle and Ziegenhain, Wilhelm tried to renegotiate with the Dutch. Previously, they had been rebuffed to maintain a good relationship with Cologne, the Dutch wanting to maintain that, but when the Dutch renewed their alliance with France, they realized Hessen Castle would be a good buffer to their east, or at least their troops. In learning from their previous mistakes, they were willing to pay more money to maintain 2,500 Hessians secured from Emden and the East Frisian estates. And the Hessians moved into East Frisia by September 1637. Remember last time they tried to pay... Oh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now. Should have checked my script, or my other notes. The mercenary Catholic commander under the paladins. But he didn't do so well, as we should remember. What's actually funny about this was Fernand and Cologne didn't really challenge this, not chasing the Hessians into East Frisia, not wanting to disrupt the relative peace between the Dutch and the Empire, as, again, separation of wars. Separating these wars out meant everyone was kind of stepping out of eggshells a little bit, 
with certain people due to not wanting to add another warfront to their requirements. The HRA already had enough of them going on as it was. Wilhelm died on October 1st, leaving a young son behind to be watched over by his widow, Amelie Elizabeth. She was actually distantly related to the Bourbons, and she hoped and expected support from France, which Richelieu was willing to provide, specifically transferring Wilhelm's pension to the son and sending her a diamond-studded cross as a sign of his support. This sent worry and fear in the Imperials, who thought Hena would be transferred to France, which caused them to break their neutrality towards the region, as it was stormed by Wilhelm von Metternich, who took it without any losses by February 18th, 1638, and if that name sounds familiar, you might know it, as this man was awarded the Bohemian the state of Koningswort, which eventually became the house that Clemens von Metternich, the famous statesman after the Napoleonic era, was born into. The whole piece of Europe, or the concert of Europe, if I remember the terms correctly. This isn't really relevant to our war, per se, but it's always fun to see historical connections to more recent pasts and looking back on ancestry. I just found it interesting I was reading through. I was like, I saw Metternich. Is that the same family? I was like, oh, it was the same family. But back to the Hessians, Amelie saw that France wasn't willing to offer direct support, or not much, if any. So she tried to get the support of the Dutch instead, playing up the angle of the poor widow. She was greeted warmly with the Dutch, but by 1639... That had worn out as the Hessian troops disrupted trade and created issues within the territory they were in, as they were wont to do, as many other soldiers in this war were due to cause problems with non-soldiers in villages and the like. The Imperials hoped this would cause the Hessians to defect, working a few angles to try to get that. Spain offered them money, there were negotiations with Melander, and Cologne and Mainz convinced the Emperor to replace the aggressive commissioner and make Elizabeth the regent of her son, all to lessen the burden on Hessian Castle as the aggressive commissioner was causing problems. The emperor agreed also to give up his claims to Herzfeld and allowed the toleration of Calvinism, the dominant religion in the area. Granted, he's still opposed to it, but, you know, political necessity and all. Amelie was only expected to give up Marburg to Darmstadt, and many encouraged her to take the deal, but she rejected due to the alleged hostility towards Calvinism. But the truce was agreed on by March 3rd, 1638, allowing her to regain possession of her existing garrisons while waiting for a better situation. So once again, the long game of waiting for your position militarily and politically to improve so you could try to get better terms. Not new, we're going to see it a lot. This would put more strain on France and Sweden, and the Dutch continued to be the annoyed allies of everyone. But even if it was only a truce at the moment, this allowed Ferdinand to focus on other parts of the war that were happening, which, as about to cover, was another minor but recurring group that we all recognize. Outside of what was going on in the war, Charles I of England signed a treaty with France in February 27th, 1637. I find it funny England making deals with France, but Charles I was more friendly to France than its predecessors, and if any of you know English history, this creates a lot of uh, tension with the English population and nobility. I mean, it's still funny to think about from modern terms, the whole England and France don't like each other, and they still didn't, but just the concept of the signing treaty with France over England's agreements with Spain. But on topic, the agreement promised support over the Palatine question, and more importantly would allow France to gain 30 ships and 6,000 men from England to be used, or to be allowed to be used. But Richelieu never ratified this, seeing his connection with Maximilian was more important, and Maximilian was the current elector of the Palatine at this point. But Charles still sent Sir Thomas Rowe to Hamburg on a pointless mission, where Sweden, French, and Imperial envoys were meeting under the purview of the Danish. Though, as we know, negotiations would go nowhere. 
Both the Danes and the Swedes were annoyed with England, though for different reasons, as the Danes were annoyed at them because the English did not support them in the 1620s, and the Swedes because a fellow Protestant king should be fully supporting the Palatine from the start, or should have been fully supporting the Palatine from the start, instead of not really showing a ton of support even if they sent some troops over. As we know, it's a bit more complex than that, and it wasn't just simple, I'm, I'm saying no, there was a lot of tentativeness, but dealing with international politics is always tricky. But England was generally tentative about getting involved into continental politics at the time, especially by this decade. There's actually enough annoyance that the weapons were being sold to the Scots by 1638 by Carl Ludwig, which would then lead to the Bishop's War, which would become the start of what would become the English Civil Wars, which would leave England unable to do anything on the continent for about a decade. But Again, that's out of our purview. That's an entire different thing that's going on. Again, linked to the Thirty Years' War. This war really does drag in a lot of other smaller conflicts, or linked to them. But Elizabeth of Bohemia had known for a long time that there was only really one way to get back their claim, and that was through force. Her son's European tour showing diplomacy was pointless. Her son, Carl Ludwig, gathered forces in Meppen, which was gifted to her husband by the Swedes, and a number of English nobility supporting her joined Carl Ludwig. The plan was to use the town as a launching point for an invasion of the Lower Palatine. We can all see this isn't going to work out, seeing as how men they would relatively gather, and even if they did capture it, they wouldn't be able to hold it for long, especially with the Bavarians around, and there wasn't a ton of support in Germany. And even with English gold being brought there, no one would support them. Amelie Elizabeth not even wanting to risk her truce. James King, a Scottish militia captain in charge of the Swedish forces in Westphalia, he promised 1,000 men, seemingly wanting to please Charles I as he was looking to retire soon enough. Also, I can't help but find it funny a guy named James King was willing to help King James and all. Just reverse the names around. Nothing really serious observation here, just a funny little thing I noticed. But back to the plot slash history, Carl Ludwig was able to gather 4,000 men, which included a number of discharged Catholics. His army was seen as enough of a threat for the Imperials to send an army of 4,500 taken from a filling garrison. And by May of 1637, Meppen was taken by surprise, forcing Carl to retreat to Clives, leaving him with only 1,700 men, while the Imperials grew to around 6,500 by July 1638. Carl joined the Swedes at Stadtholm on September 9th, but Meppen was too fortified to retake, and East Frisia was not open to be entered by the forces of the Palatinate claimant. So he had to head east for Osnabrück, trying to go for Lemgo with the Swedes. But the Imperials broke the siege and continued to follow them, which surprised the Palatine and Swedish forces. The Imperials trying to cut off their retreat at Vlotho Bridge on October 17th. Prince Rupert, with the Swedish cavalry, tried to break through the Imperials, but failed and was captured, joined by 1,200 others. King managed to reach Minden with five others, but Carl tried to escape on a carriage, but got stuck, the horses and drivers drowning. He survived by holding onto a branch, staying hidden in Minden for two months before going back to his gifted family estate in the Netherlands. The Imperials lost only 79 men, taking Vec to the next month, which was November. It was minor, but it was one less headache the Imperials would have to worry about. I mean, it was a clear-cut victory, minor faction was taken out, and this ended the Palatine as a form of political worry for the Imperials. It also caused many Brits to go back to their home, taking away many officers from the Swedes. Spain refused to let go 6,000 of their troops in Flanders from leaving, and the Swedes had around 10 Scots join them each year after 1638, much less the near 2,000 that joined them in the years before 1638. So as a whole, both these events were relatively minor in the scope of the war, but they did do some minor damage to the Swedes. 
Germans and the French to some extent. And it adds to the whole idea this war covered the breadth of Europe, minor players having their own goal, that's the big players, and that could conflict. And it was just a whole big web of tangled knots or a spider web that affects other ones. And lastly, this closed off the Palatine, which had started off the war as a smaller rebellion. We're now in multinational conflict, showing that none of that old conflict was left. This wasn't about Bohemia. I mean, there was religious rights. This wasn't about a simple one crown. This was a conflict over imperial authority, politics. I mean, I'm saying simple terms, but international politics and just a whole mess now. But I'm going to call it here as next time we will cover the Swedes and the issues on the Rhine. I want to thank you all for listening and for keeping me coming back to work on this. Social media links will be in the description box or on the links themselves. You can email me at 3DECOT at gmail.com. Reminder that of Patreon, thanks for the support me, interview and spread the word, and I'll see you guys next time.